Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Hey, it is good to be here. It's good to see you guys. We pray with me. Lord, open our hearts to your word. Open my lips to speak what you would want said. We are your people. We're your, your plantings, Lord. So water us, uh, nurture us, uh, prune us as you see fit. And we will say thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we're continuing our series in 1 Corinthians, and this week it begins like this. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but people of the flesh. So this is kind of a Bible thing where the flesh would be more of a selfish way, and a spiritual people would be an unselfish way. And he says, mere infants in Christ. He's like, you babies. So you may or may not know this, but in the back room today, there's Joey. And Joey is back there running the streaming sound. So online, you can all say, thank you, Joey, if you like the sound. And and sometimes my daughter runs the sound. And I do this thing with my granddaughter that I did with my daughter when she was young. And I'll say, noses, noses, noses. And I'll stick my nose up and she'll like rub her nose to mine. I don't know why. It's just kind of fun. So Hannah last week or two weeks ago was running sound. She says, noses, noses, noses. She's got... Uh, her daughter, my granddaughter, her lap, and she tries to touch her nose to computer de- grandpa on the screen. Is that like, you have to play it one more time just because, you know, whoops. Is, so she, and then here she is. She helps her up on the desk, and she is going to try to touch her nose to grandpa nose. Is that? <laughs> All right. Yes, it's adorable. Now, uh, Ed Deblock is here, and what if uh, Bryce leans over and goes, noses, 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 and he tries to touch his nose to mine, right? Or if he was running sound, someone would say that to him, and he would do that, right? Or Betty, too. You would go, this is a very strange church, (laughs) right? Because it's funny and cute when it's a baby, but when it's an adult... You don't expect that kind of behavior from them, right? I mean, I could see a husband and wife, or ba- never mind. Okay, but you see what I'm saying? It's, 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 there are baby behavior, and then there's non-baby behavior. And this is what Paul is hitting at here. He says, look, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. You weren't ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh. How do we know this? There's jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving in only human ways? Paul is still hitting on this division that's going on here in Corinth, and he goes, you're babies. There's jealousy, there's strife among you. Like, what, what's good? This, this shouldn't be in the church. People who are growing in Christ, they're not, this isn't what's going on inside their hearts. Do you ever struggle with jealousy? Like, you know, the perfect family photo, right? You look at it, and you're like, oh, oh that's not my family. This is, this, is, this is my family's photo, right? Right? And you go, and you're like, wait, 
I see the perfect family, and then I try it, and this is my family. Like, and you're, you get this tinge of Instagram jealousy, right? You get the tinge, like what's going on in the heart? Of course you don't see all the ins and outs of everybody's picture, but do you get jealous sometimes when you see certain pictures? Eight ways to bounce back after your coworker gets your promotion, right? I deserve that one. How, did, how dare they overlook me, right? Like, how, what do you do in your heart when that happens? You work so hard for a B minus. There was this guy in college who lived on my floor. He would, early on in a class, discern if the prof is going to take attendance. If he didn't take attendance, he got the notes from somebody else, he read the textbook, I think, and he got like a B plus or an A in the class. The guy was just that guy that something inside of you struggled with strife and jealousy, right? You know, and and this, can, this stuff is what's ruining their church. You know, Paul, he's got this like little baby church that he plants and all of a sudden they're acting like babies and they're not growing up and he's, he's frustrated with it. What's going on in your heart today? Uh, Tim Keller writes something that I think we would all aspire to be. He says, don't you want to be the kind of person when they see themselves in the mirror or reflected in a shop window, doesn't admire what they see. You know, it's like, hmm, right? Uh, or cringe either, right? Or quick, I don't want to see that mirror. Wouldn't you like to be the skater who wins the silver and yet is thrilled about that three triple jumps the gold medal winner did? To love it the way you love a sunrise. Just to love the fact that it was done. You are as happy that they did it as if you had done it yourself. See, there's something in the church where God fills up that need we have to be that one person, and we rejoice in other people's good things, right? And, and it, it does something with strife. Paul says, one of you says, I follow Paul. So he's repeating what he said earlier in the letter. Another says, I follow Apollos. Uh, are you not merely being humans? No, you know, as I read this, my mind went to, if I had planted a church and left it for other bozos, I mean other pastors to serve, would I maybe say, guys, I started it, now follow what I said. Don't follow this guy, don't follow, follow me. I mean, we, we would, I think if he had written that, we'd all understand it, wouldn't we? We'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Paul's like, no, don't you dare connect to me. You connect to God. If you're making disciples, if you're discipling people, understand you don't want them connected to you. I mean, sure, be their friend, whatever it is, but, but you want them connected to Jesus, right? You want them. And this is what Paul is striving for. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants of whom you believed as the Lord assigned each. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. So I stand here, and I hope that I'm watering or planting or doing something like that, and you go out into the world, and you're living your life as a follower of Jesus, and I hope you're watering and you're planting seeds, but it's God who does the growth. Can I say it helps take the pressure off me sometimes? How are people growing? I don't talk to God. I'm just trying to water. I'm just trying to plant, right? I'm just trying to be a faithful farmer. Sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't like, things don't grow as you would want them to grow, right? But I don't have to own that. I don't have to own your growth. 
God does. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. For we are God's fellow workers. You're God's field, God's building. Look, he's, you know what I love? He's trying to get them to see, you guys are causing division, but you're all one. You are being built up in God. It's like he's using core values to unite them. Sometimes, once, once when Gretchen and I have had a, a marital adjustment, and sometimes you get stuck, right? You get stuck, and you, you don't know exactly how to get through it. And I'll back up and go, you know, we both want the same thing, don't we? You know, we want a great marriage. We, we love each other deeply. We're just stuck in this one area. Sometimes it's good just to back up and go, hey, here's the big building. We're all one building. We're all like going. We have values that we share, but we're stuck right here. And it helps us, and I think this is what Paul is doing also. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ. So Paul's like, I set down the gospel. I set down for you what Jesus is doing or has done for you. And then there's, there's stuff that gets built up on top of that. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver or precious stones uh, or wood or hay or straw, each one's work will become manifest. For, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So you've got these like building materials. And the building materials are going to pass through some kind of fire. And the fire will show, well, that was wood and it burned. Or that was hay or stubble that you used to make bricks with that aren't bricks. And, and it just burned up. Oh, that was precious gold. It's purified, right? That's stone. So he's saying that this fire will purify. Now, some commentators will say, this, and this is kind of fascinating, that... You know, the people are the stones in the building. So people will pass through the fire, and some are wood, hay, and stubble, and they'll just get burned up, right? I don't think that's what it's saying, right? And other commentators, um, one guy I read said, the, the things, the building materials that get burned up is the theology. Like, if you're building with good theology, then that won't, that'll last, you know, gospel theology. And I thought, well... Yeah, but I think there's something else going on here. I, I think he's talking about the motive behind our building. I mean, sure, you want to have good theology, but I, I think there's something about motive. You know, in Romans 2, 16, on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. I think there's this fire, and if... If a person is building the kingdom and it's all about them, poof, they got nothing. Right? It goes up in, goes up in smoke. I, I think what he's talking about is it's, it's, it's easy to be about the kingdom and it's all about you. You know, some of us can easily try to find our identity in our performance, in our Christian performance. Like, people come to know Jesus, they come out of the world, but they bring the world with them. And so they were like, look who I am in the world, and now look who I am in the church. And I think Paul's saying, hey, if that's who you are, 
It'll be, it'll be ferreted out in the end. There'll be a fire that will purify that, right? Because you and I, we're lost and found in Jesus. Like, who we are, there's a, there's a real sense that when you come into the kingdom, you lose yourself. But by losing, you find yourself. I, you know I love quoting C.S. Lewis, and he talks about this. He says, but there's a, a real giving up of the self. You must throw it away, blindly, so to speak. Christ will indeed give you a real personality, but you must not go to him for the sake of that. As long as your own personality is what you are bothering about, you're not going to him at all. The very first step is to forget about yourself altogether. Your real new self, which is Christ and also yours, and yours because it is his, think about that for a while, will not come as long as you're looking for it. It will come when you're looking for him. Does that sound strange? The same principle holds, you know, uh, for more everyday matters, even in social life. You'll never make a good impression on other people until you stop thinking about what sort of impression you're making. Even in literature and art, no man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth without caring two pence uh, how, how often it has been told before, you will nine times out of ten become original without ever having noticed it. The principle runs through all of life, top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death death of your ambitions, favorite wishes, every day the death of your whole body. And in the end, submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, Loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ. You'll find him and with him everything else thrown in. What a marvelous author. What a marvelous thought, isn't it? I mean, this is, he's like, hey, what you're holding on to, haven't given up, that all gets burned up. But you give everything up, gold, silver, precious stones. If the work that anybody has built on the foundation survives, he will be rewarded. It, I struggle with the concept of reward. I mean, maybe you guys don't, but I do. I, I think it's because, you know, I see myself so often, you know the story of the, the publican, you know, the, the Pharisee and the tax collector? I see myself in the tax collector. You know, you got the Pharisee, and they, they, he's praying there, and he's, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like all those other sinners, all those other people, you know. And, and then you've got the tax collector who just, like, bows his face before God, beats his chest, and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, and Jesus says, one man goes away justified, you know, the, the tax collector. The other guy's justifying himself in, in his own sight. Or this uh, verse in Luke where the story ends like this, so also when you've done all that you were commanded, say, we're unworthy servants. We've only done what was our duty. 
And personally, this is how I identify much of my life. I feel like a reward, unworthy servant, right? A sinner, you know, Lord, what reward? And yet, if I'm honest, I still hunger for reward. I still struggle with wanting to, like, be somebody, right? Wanting to be somebody in whose eyes? In your eyes, in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of my family. I mean, I still struggle with that, uh, that like the Corinthians struggled with. And Nowen put it this way. He said, I'm constantly surprised how I keep taking the gifts God has given me, my health, my intellect, my emotional gifts, and I keep using them to impress people, receive affirmation and praise, to compete for rewards instead of developing them for the glory of God. You know, I still I struggle with this, and you struggle with it too, would be my, my guess. I think this is kind of how we're, we're all wired. I mean, even Madonna, years ago in Vogue interview, she said, my drive in life is from the horrible feeling of being inadequate and mediocre, and it's always pushing me and pushing me and pushing me because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove I am somebody. My struggle has never ended and probably never will. Right? There's a thing inside of us that wants that reward, doesn't it? And, and I think God would help me with it uh, as I turn my thoughts to, to pleasing him. Like, oh, you give that praise that I'm looking for some other place? I don't have to see myself only as a dust spot on the carpet, right? I, 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 Jojo was reading this during one of the prayer times, and this, this verse jumped out at me uh, from Galatians 5. By, but by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness. And sometimes I like to call righteousness our enoughness, that thing we're looking for, that soul satisfaction, well done, which we hope for. So right now we live by faith saying, Lord, I do, I'm hungry for that praise. I'm hungry for that affirmation. I'm hungry for that enoughness, that righteousness, not of my own. And I enter in and I receive it by faith daily, right? There's a book I saw that said, uh, I am enough. Now, I didn't read it. I'm not knocking it because I don't know anything about it. But it made, me, it made me think, if my enoughness only comes from myself, from my own words of praise, how satisfactory is that? Right? Because you're going to base it on your performance, aren't you? And if it only comes from other people's words of praise, that's an addictive cycle, right? Because I need you to praise me, right? I need you, I need you, you know, tell me how good I am. Tell me how loved I am. Tell me this. It just becomes this, like, I'll just run a little faster this time. Did you ever notice that somebody says, I love you or I appreciate that, but they don't say it again until you do even more? And then you do a little more. And, you do, and so here you are just running to get those voices from the outside saying, I'm enough, I'm enough. When all along Jesus' death on the cross says, it's finished. You have fellowship with me. Find it. Hear it in my voice. You are enough because I've made you enough in me. Do you see that? Scripture goes on and says, if the work that anybody has built on the foundation survives... He'll receive a reward, and if anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. Why? Paul laid the foundation. 
salvation by grace through faith. You may have messed up and built some tower all about your pride, but if you're holding on to the essence of justified by grace through faith, no reward, but you're there through the fire. And he says, don't you know that you're the temple of, and God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. How many, when you hear this, are hearing your personal body is God's temple? Your, your body is God's temple. God lives inside your heart. Can I tell you that the you are plural? So down south, it would read, y'all are God's temple, <laughs> right? And God's spirit dwells in y'all. Or in Pittsburgh, it would read, don't you know that yins are God's temple? And God's spirit dwells in yins. <laughs> yins. Remember that, honey? Okay, so uh, it's a plural you. What he's saying is you guys are dividing the church. Don't you know that you're the temple and God is here? Don't destroy it. Your, 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 your factions, your, your stuff, your strife, you're destroying God's temple, and it's serious. It's not, hey, if you smoke, you're destroying God's temple. He's going to destroy you. It's not what it's about. It's not what that is about at all. It, it, it's much more serious. Now, hey, we've got all this political debate going on, and, I, and it's good, and, and, and this is who we are in America, but it's so much more important what goes on in the church, right? And, and if you bring your debates into the body you're being just as divisive and strife-giving as, as, uh, as, others, as others were in Corinth. Like, fine, you can have the political debates, but the body of Christ is so much bigger and so much more eternal. And he's like, you, you destroy the body. You're dealing with something really serious here. Why? Because you're eternal. C.S. Lewis said this, there are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilization, these are mortal. Politics. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it's immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our merriment must be that of a kind, and it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. He's like, hey, the church is serious, but we can still have fun in it. That's how he ends it. And when... When you start thinking about your divisions, think about what it's doing in the church. We have so much more that unites us than ever divides us. He says, let no one deceive himself. Anyone among you who thinks that he's wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he might become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They're futile. I mean, king of the Jews is a true statement, isn't it? Jesus, Son of God, God incarnate, becomes foolish so we could be wise. And Paul's like, hey guys, do that. 
Give up your desire for this wisdom. Let it go. And then he says, so let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all things are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. This is a mind-blowing concept. Like, this is mind-blowing. I, I started thinking on, uh, on Wednesday, I did a chapel at Lutheran West. And as I was speaking, I, I, I was preparing the message. It really felt like the Lord uh, wanted me to point out that, that apathy, because that was the topic I had to speak on. It, when you're really depressed, people could go, man, you're so apathetic. Like, you don't want to do anything. You don't want to, you know. And the reality is a person who's depressed is not apathetic about self-hatred about self-contempt. They're like really strong in that. And I had this, this thing as I was prepping come to me say, hey, you need to address people right there. Don't leave them with that diagnosis because what are they just going to do? Yep, you're right, Pastor Doug, and I'm good at hating myself. And so I said, you know, if this is you, I'd like to give you a new mantra, a new thought to pull into the brain of of, of life would be better without me, that would go, Lord, you died for me and you accept me just as I am right now. I see all my sin, all my failure, all, all every way I've blown it in this whole world. And if I'm good enough for you, help me to be good enough for me. A new mantra, Lord, if I'm good enough for you, then I'm good enough for me. You can embrace that. So I was thinking about how powerful that statement is, and yet this is even more mind-blowing. I mean, you think about this. So they're trying to buddy up with Apollos or Paul and go, look who I am because I identify strongly with this Christian celebrity. And Paul says, wait a minute, panta gar humon estin. <laughs> it's Greek for uh, things for yours are. Things for yours are all things for you are. All things are yours. If it's Paul, if there's a truth, if there's something that Paul has, it's yours. If there's something that Apollos has, some truth, something, it's yours. If there's something that Peter, Cephas has, it's yours. And then he goes, the world is yours. The cosmos. Now, we like to sing, he's got the whole world in his hand. Well, you know what Paul's saying here? If he's got the whole world, and you're in him, and he's in you, Bryce, you hold the whole world in your hand, right? Betty, you hold the whole world. Sue, you, you hold the world. You're like, what? Don't say that. It's blasphemy. No, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? You want to cozy up to somebody and find your identity in somebody special? Cozy up to Jesus, It'll, it'll blow your mind. And he doesn't just say the world. You got life. Zoe, you, you got death, right? You, like, life and death are in your hands. Fear death. I, Jesus overcame death. If I'm in him, death has been overcome in me. What? Paul says if you hate your brother, you don't have what? Eternal life in you. Not something you'll get, something you have. What? 
And then the present is yours, and the future is yours. Why? You're Christ, and Christ is of God. This is mind-blowing. Paul is trying to say, why are you messing around with these stupid things when trying to find your identity and, and being connected to these Christian celebrities when you're connected to Jesus? You got everything. You let that thing puff up your ego. You know, you're safe. you lose yourself in him, and look what you discover you've got. Will you pray with me? Lord, I'm reminded of that hymn. And yet, she on earth has union with God the three in one, the mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. Oh, blessed heavenly chorus, Lord, save us by your grace that we, like saints before us, may see you face to face. Father, I confess that it's so easy to get myopic on this world and to see things that are present so close and, and miss the all things are mine, all things are ours. I pray you would impress that upon our hearts today. Jesus, I ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.